0: Hello and welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is a place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Matthew Tillett, portfolio manager of the Bronner Investment Trust. Matthew joined Alliance Global Investors in 2006 and became lead manager of the Bronner Trust in 2020. He graduated from Bristol University with a first class degree in economics and economic history. He also holds a master's with distinction in international political economy from the London School of Economics. Matthew holds the IMC designation and is a CFA charter holder. Firstly, perhaps could you talk us through the objectives and the investment style of the trust?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, objectives. Um, the, the main objective is uh, c- capital growth uh, over the long term, um, which you know we we basically define as. Uh, long term outperformance um of our of our benchmark um but we do also believe that uh that the equities should give the, the holder something back yeah. uh, over the journey um uh, and so we, we also have an income uh objective as well um which is that we uh we we the portfolio does uh, deliver a yield more or less in line with with the benchmark, um, but, but but we aim to grow that, uh, you know, nicely over time um, as well. Uh, and the, the, the process, the philosophy behind the companies we invest in, kind of allows us to deliver that growth. So um, it does have a we have, we have a, a really good track record, actually, about 50, over fifty years now, or um, uh, well fifty years exactly of uh, dividend dividend growth, uh, well ahead of inflation. Um, so that, that, those are the two objectives. Um, in terms of the in terms of the style um so we we're very much uh, fundamentally driven uh long term oriented uh investors and stock pickers really um we what i mean by that is we we very much kind of think across the cycle through the cycle so we're, we're sort of thinking on a three to five year view um it's not to say we uh, we avoid cyclical companies but we we look at them in the same way that we would look at a non-cyclical company on, on a long-term basis rather than trying to kind of get get too cute on on things like sort of macro uh and that sort of thing uh very also focused on kind of structural um thematic secular trends that are shaping The economy, society, so understanding how those things are changing and kind of how they how they impact different sectors and businesses. So the companies that we're investing in are the the right side of of, of those trends. Um, Very much a a kind of quality bias uh, in in the portfolio. Uh, We can invest all around the world. So. Uh, you know, we take the view that yeah, you know, that's not really an area that we we need to compromise too much on. So what I mean by that is we're, we're very much focused on investing in highly profitable, established business models um, where we can you know get really get our heads around kind of you know what, why the business business model is um, you know generating such good profitability and high returns on capital, and kind of understanding why those business models are s- sustainable and defensible um, you know o- over the long term. Uh, but we're also very uh, valuation disciplined, uh, so we do believe that you know the price that you pay uh, is uh, a a very important, um, some might even say the most important um, factor uh in 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 ultimately kind of determining the returns that you make over the long term um so we do we do factor that in and then in terms of the portfolio and how what all that means from a portfolio perspective you know we we have a fairly balanced um approach in the portfolio so we you know we, we. you know, we take sort of some things like growth versus value. You know, we see growth really as an input to value. So we have we have some you know some really high growth companies in the portfolio. We also have some you know more more slower growing, more mature companies in the portfolio. And we don't really ha- you know we, we're not necessarily trying to have a massive bias one way or the other. We're we're focused primarily on understanding that the quality piece and then making sure that you know we we've, we've got good um you know good value for uh, for 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 the for the companies we're investing in as similar with with the cyclical versus defensive piece which has obviously been quite important year to date we are quite balanced there as well uh it was one of the reasons why the trust tends to be a bit more kind of stable if you look at the performance it, it doesn't it, you know it doesn't exhibit some of the sort of wild swing that you sometimes see uh, with you know more concentrated more more kind of um, the stylistically driven approaches.
0: So, with that in mind, what's the sort of current sector and, and maybe country allocation of the trust?
1: Uh, yeah, so we're the, the the sectors that we t- we tend to be quite heavily biased towards, as you would expect, are those where we're able to you know to find what we're looking for uh, in terms of sort of quality business models. So, to so that that t- tends to be areas like um, like industrials. Uh, it's obviously quite a broad area, but there's there's quite a you know. Quality companies um, within the industrials uh, sector, uh, healthcare as well. Um, it's a sector we, we've liked a lot for for, for a long time. Um, technology um, as well. Uh, we don't have as much there as some some of the other um, kind of funds. Um, you know, the, some of our competitor funds, but we do still have uh, you know quite a big exposure there, um, and also parts of financial services as well. Um, not you know, particularly the, the the more sort of asset light. Um, uh, it's sort of you know savings wealth management companies um exchanges platforms those sorts of things um within the financial sector we quite like those as well so that that those are where the big exposures tend to be but we do we do have you know some exposure to you know the other sectors as well we 're quite open minded about it but um you know naturally our bias is more towards towards those areas. Um, and then in terms of the geographic exposure i uh, probably worth mentioning um we do have a composite benchmark uh so we're we're 30 percent FTSE all share and 70 percent FTSE world x uk um uh the, the 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 trust has sort of been on it i mean if you go back a long time it had more in the uk and it sort of moved over time to to, to be to be more focused globally um but you know, clearly, it's still that thirty percent piece. So, so we do have we do have you know reasonable allocation to the UK. It's about twenty five percent at the moment, um, and then Europe is Europe ex UK is another twenty five percent. North America is forty uh, percent, and then you know the rest of the world is the balance. Uh, however, I don't, I, I wouldn't want sort of your listeners to kind of go away with sort of reading too much into that um, because. Most of the companies that we're invested in are global businesses, multinational companies, and we we would we actually you know pay more attention to kind of where their actual businesses are and where they're generating revenues from. And if you if you look at it on that basis, it's a much it's a much more balanced picture actually. Is you know on the revenue basis, we're about so this is sort of looking at the see through revenue exposure of the companies in the portfolio and kind of where they're actually generating their revenues from and ultimately where. The profits and the dividends that accrue to us as shareholders are coming from. Um, it's around forty, forty percent US, um, around thirty, thirty percent Europe, twenty percent Asia, and the rest is you know the rest of the world. So a much more a much more representative picture of kind of you know where where activity is um, globally.
0: And could you possibly just talk us through perhaps one or two of your top holdings at the moment? Yeah, sure.
1: So um, a couple of interesting examples. I mean, Visa. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the 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 payments processing uh, company um, that's a, a company we we've held for a very long time um, is is a good illustration of of, of what we look for. Um, this is a company that's um, very much operating in a in a duopolistic market with you know, them and them and Mastercard, and that's been the case for a very long time, um, sort of decades really. Uh, and we, the, the market it's it, it's quite difficult to really break that. Structure to see see how it's how it's going to change. I mean, there's there's often sort of kind of things come along and people sort of say, oh, maybe maybe this you know blockchain or buy now pay later might might disrupt it, but it never it never does because they're so embedded in in the in the um, uh, you know the financial services ecosystem, uh, and and actually they, what they actually charge themselves is not that high. Um, uh and so it's, it's 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 quite difficult to see how how they're going to be disrupted uh but from a growth perspective what what's really attractive about about the businesses is you just got the structural trend from from cash and check um towards uh uh digital payment methods cards uh and, and e-commerce as well the growth of e-commerce is is, is is very good for them because obviously e-commerce is you know done you know digitally and therefore is um um, yeah, much more likely to use uh, Visa and Mastercard payment rails. Uh, super profitable business, yeah, uh, sort of 50% plus margins. Um, so that growth is very, very sort of value accretive. And there's still a lot, lot of growth to come. I'm um, just so saying we, we've held it for a long time. Uh, the reason why I sort of mentioned it now um, here is because there was actually a, a good opportunity last year when we took the position up um, Quite a bit in the portfolio because um, last year in, in in 2021, actually Visa didn't the shares didn't perform that well. Surprisingly, in a year where it was you know, generally a very good year for for stock markets, it's um, a good example of a sort of shorter term issue that you know we're prepared to look through and, and take advantage of because they they um, I mean, and basically the travel side of Visa's business is quite important to to their. Uh, their profitability; they, they earn more money on kind of cross-border transactions, uh, and that didn't come back as quickly as as was initially expected. Um, when um, uh, yeah, mainly because there was, you know, as we know, as you know, there was sort of periodic lockdowns, and parts of the world reopened, other parts didn't. Um, uh, and actually, the shares the shares yeah, came off quite a bit; valuation came down um, to you know really, really quite an attractive level, um, and especially in you know, relative terms considering. What was happening more broadly in the market last year, um, and we we just felt that was a really good opportunity to take the position up because, you know, frankly, you know, we can look through that sort of thing, and and actually it's it's been 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 quite a good performer um, year to date, uh, you know, in in, in um, despite you know what what we've seen elsewhere in in some of these kind of higher growth um, kind of t- sort of technology oriented companies. Um, so that's that's um that's that's visa the, the other one I was going to mention is uh is, is adidas um which is uh again another company we we've we've held for for, for quite a long time um, It's a very good example of a consumer leading consumer brand that is utilizing um digital technology uh in a way that we we believe over time will um improve the quality of the business model uh, because what it effectively allows them to do and nike nike has done this as well and nike is is ahead of the curve uh, well ahead of adidas on this but adidas is really the only the only sort of major global competitor to nike in the athletic sportswear um category the only company that's really got the sort of cloud budget and marketing and digital capability to be able to compete with them so we think they're going to to follow them um and this is the the ability to to Kind of communicate reach out directly to your to your customers um, through uh through digital technology um, and that allows you to drive m- higher value sales because uh, there's less there's less discounting um uh whereas you know obviously if it's going through stores or wholesale channels there's more there's more markdowns um so you know the margins are lower um, and so we we think over time that's I going to get get quite a big benefit from that it will drive um, higher margins and quite a lot of earnings growth. Uh, now, this is a stock that, you know, has has been, you know, the last 12, 18 months has not been, not been a great time for the company. You know, they've, they've had a sort of bit of a perfect storm, really, in terms of uh, issues in their supply chain um, coming out of COVID uh, in, in, in Vietnam. Um, and then also they got sort of embroiled in the issues in China with a lot of the Western brands um, uh, and the, the boycotts uh, last year. Uh, and now, obviously, China itself is kind of, you know, very stop start and the, the lockdowns. China's an important market for them, um, you know, it's decent size and pretty profitable as well. So, um, you know, so that's that's put pressure on, on you know, the earnings recovery and the, the stocks derated a lot. Uh, we, we, as like with Visa, I mean, we, we, we've, we've added to it, we've taken the position up, up a bit because we, again, we think these issues are, you know, they will work themselves out over time. Um, and and actually, it's a it's a it's a uh, you know an opportunity, and um, you know sort of very happy for the you know the trust to have it as a as a as a, as a, as a top top ten holding.
0: Okay, now obviously you took the trust over at a particularly difficult time in in 2020. Um, How has the trust managed to cope over the last extraordinary couple of years or so? And, and indeed, did 2020? Give you the opportunity to maybe add new names to the portfolio. The, the, the approach that we've
1: we've take we take, you know. So the, as I explained, that you know, when we, when we started the conversation, had you know, the kind of more, more balanced approach, where we're, you know, what we're really aiming to do is is, you know, have our stock selection be the the, the driver of, of of the returns rather than, you know, having sort of big. Kind of factor or stylistic bets in the portfolio has actually helped quite a lot over this period because, as you as you know, and I'm sure your listeners are aware, um, it's been a pretty wild period. Um, not not just sort of in absolute terms, but also within the market, there's been these kind sort of periodic rotations from you know growth to values, you know, stay-at-home trade, reopening trade, cyclicals versus defensives, and it, it you know, it's been really quite wild. Um, and we've been able to. Uh, you know we I'm not saying we haven't been impacted by that but we we haven't seen the same um sort of wild swings because we have more of that kind of balance in the portfolio um but it's also cr- created the opportunity for us you know at times to you, you know to 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 be a bit contrarian you know when when sort of things are going very much in one direction um you know for example in you know 2020 when you know some of the kind of more cyclical older economy companies were very much out of favor um you know we we you know we were sort of looking more at those then kind of later on as you as you got the you know very rapid recovery after the vaccine announcements you know it was actually kind of almost the opposite situation there was some there were some kind of opportunities in some of the more defensive companies that maybe saw sort of lag because they weren't really kind of you know where the market wanted to be at that that point in time um uh, you know, we we were able to, to to take advantage of those, and and I'd say we're doing the same thing today as well. Um, you know, this year to date, we've seen obviously big big falls in in um, some of the growth names, um, growth sectors, uh, as as sort of interest rates have gone up and market has kind of re, repriced quite violently downwards. Um, a, a lot of this, and there's a lot of companies that have been caught up in that. Uh, and you know, we've been able to you know to to add a couple of you know really interesting. You know, high quality growth companies to the portfolio at, at prices that, you know, we wouldn't, you know, just looked, you know, almost say inconceivable, but they were, you know, some of them are, you know, well, one of them is 65% below the peak it was at last year and the other one's about 45% down. So, you know, these opportunities are created by by the volatility and, you know, we're, 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 we're sort of there to take advantage of them.
0: So pulling all of that together, Matthew, with that foregoing in mind, what's your sort of outlook from here?
1: i think clearly uh you know the outlook from an economic perspective has, has has clearly got worse uh in the last um the last few months certainly compared to if i think about what 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 we were expecting going, going in coming into this year sort of pre pre russia ukraine uh, i think we were sort of looking at clearly infl- i mean inflation had already started to 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 move up and and um yeah, there was, there was clearly going to have to be a, a response from central banks to that, uh, but there were also reasons to think, come the second half of the year, that some of the factors that were driving inflation would start to abate. Not necessarily all of them, but some of them. I'm um, thinking sort of supply chain disruption and uh, some of the issues in the energy markets, um, particularly the gas market. Um, you know, were, were likely to normalise, and that that would help to bring down inflation and um and, and I hope this get us back to a slightly more sort of normal environment. Um I think the 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 conflict in, in Ukraine has unfortunately meant that that's you know looking pretty unlikely now because uh, it's accentuated some of these issues um particularly on the on the energy and commodity side uh which means we're probably not going to see that um abatement anytime soon um and that's you know gonna start to feed through into you know, consumer uh, spending as consumers consumers come under a bit more pressure, um, but I I wouldn't want to push it too far. I mean, I, I I think it's worth keeping in mind that consumers generally are in are actually in a reasonable position. You know, they, it's certainly in in Western countries, um, the consumer sector did actually quite well out of the pandemic in the sense that there were big transfers from the government sector to the consumer sector. So we're not in a position like we were in 2007, where consumers kind of looking very, very financially stretched with sort of huge leverage and the banking systems, you know, it was very thinly capitalized back then. You know, that's not the case today. It's, it's very well capitalized actually. Um, so I'm, I'm not I'm not looking at this and kind of, I, 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 I don't see a sort of financial crisis sort of imminent or a banking crisis or anything like that. I just think it's going to be a slightly more difficult period um, and you know, there there's it's quite possible we may have a recession. Um, but I'm not I don't see it as being a sort of cataclysmic recession that um means we have to sort of, you know, reassess everything. It's 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 you know, something that, you know, kind of happens every now and then. And um I, I think things will kind of work themselves out over time. And I think for long term investors like us, we need to sort of, you know, keep the eye on 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 the sort of three to five year view and not be too kind of influenced by you know what might happen in the next three to six months, um, and you know, as I say, where possible, you know, try to try to sort of take advantage of, of opportunities, you know, as and as when they come.
0: Fascinating times, and unfortunately, that's all uh, we've actually got time for at the moment. So, many thanks again for your time, Matthew, and for those valuable insights. And thank you for listening. Please feel free to like and subscribe, and of course, you can find much more by the way of Investment Insight and Ideas at ii.co.uk. I'll be back soon with another Richard Hunter interview. Bye for now.